Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Revelation chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 10. You always get nervous when the preacher says, turn to either Revelation or Leviticus. Because if he turns to Leviticus, it's going to be religious. And if he says, turn to Revelation, it's going to be long. And so it's going to be neither one of those two things, I promise you. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Not will be, has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I want to talk today about that word testimony. It's kind of an old Pentecostal word that probably means it's that moment when it's open mic night and people get up and share probably way too much than they wanted to and the service goes way too long. And But I want to share about this word testimony, about a biblical perspective of what a testimony is. Your testimony is your God's story. It's your God's story. How has God been been interwoven through the story of your life? On Friday nights now, for the past couple of weeks, our house church has been kind of a testimony house church. I think I'm going to start calling it Friday Night Lights. One, because it has a biblical connotation, and two, because I think all football has been canceled for the fall, so there probably is no Friday Night Lights for high school or college football. I just got to notice that my alma mater, JMU, has canceled their football season for the fall. So we're all in mourning, but still believing for basketball season because that's the one that matters. That's the one that matters. Thank you, Jesus, for basketball. Even in a bubble with a fake crowd, thank you for basketball. So these Friday night, this house church that we're doing at Lagomar right now, it's geared around people sharing their testimony. We've had three or four that have done it so far. And it's been really, really great, really, really great hearing people's God stories. Last night, uh, Sam Montella shared her story, and it was so powerful hearing how God had been with her through all of these different stages of her life. And her own God story is an amazing story of redemption. It's a real story of redemption. Now, we record these nights, but that recording really belongs to the people, not, not to us. And so... If you want to hear any of those, you've got to ask the people that shared them. They can share the file with you, but we don't publish these necessarily um, or put them out in a podcast or on YouTube or anything like that. But they are recorded. Just ask the person that actually shared it. Because sometimes people share things that maybe they don't necessarily want out in the the World Wide Web. That's an old word, isn't it? World Wide Web. Um, But they are available. But she shared so powerfully this God story of redemption. And what I was amazed is, I'm learning, I mean, I've known them for, I don't know how many years, but they're very good friends of ours, and I'm still learning parts of her story. It's like, I didn't know that in her testimony. It was amazing. But you can share freely about your life story when you're no longer bound to your past, when you're no longer just who you used to be, but when you understand the power 
of a new creation and the regenerative life of the Holy Spirit working inside of you, you're very open to talking about all the things in the past when you understand the now. And God is most concerned with the now. Revival happens when you understand that God is going to speak to you about your present. He doesn't just he doesn't bring up your past and he might give you visions of the future, but revival is the process of allowing the Holy Spirit in to deal with what's in your heart right now. So if you've got an issue in your heart that you've left unsurrendered to the Holy Spirit, that's the thing that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you about. The encouragement for us is if we deal with that quickly and we repent and we forgive and make that a part of our lifestyle, then the Bible says we will be continually filled with the Holy Spirit and rivers of living water will flow from us. So what I loved about hearing Sam's testimony is she is living in the present. God, what are you speaking to me now? What is in my heart now that I can surrender to you so that you can replace that thing with your spirit and your presence? And that means she can talk freely about all the things in her past. And I love it. I love it. And there's power in that. That scripture in Revelation, they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and their word of their testimony is their God's story. Let me share another one from Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Revelation 2, 17. I'm not going to give you time to flip there. These are sword drills. Who can get there the fastest? When I was a kid, we used to have sword drills where who can find the scripture the fastest? Just whoever, as soon as you have it, you yell, got it. And I had a few times may have yelled, got it, while I was actually still flipping pages. But I still won. Is that cheating? Okay. But I won. Is it still cheating? But if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? All right. I'm just seeing if you guys are paying attention. That's all. That's all. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Whoever has ears, anybody got ears? Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. You know, as I watched Sam share her testimony, and as I heard Paul share his testimony a few weeks ago, what I notice is that these two are victorious. They are living from the place of victory. And so they are receiving this hidden manna. They have a new name. They are a new creation, just like all of us who are able to surrender our hearts to Jesus. And that's the place of victory. They are victorious. And so your testimony is always to be given from the place of victory. It doesn't mean that we've got everything figured out and we don't deal with stuff that's going on and all my life is perfect now and I, I live for Jesus and I love Him and I, I do all of these things and I don't have any problems anymore. It's no, I'm living from the place of victory because I have had my sin nailed to the cross. I've surrendered my heart to the Messiah and He has given me His life his presence, and his spirit. So I'm moving from the place of victory. What a testimony is, it's sharing the victories. It doesn't mean just telling the good parts of your story. 
But when I share my testimony with someone, my God story, I'm sharing with them in the victory. You know, if I go, there's not often you can share in the victories of something because if you worked hard for it, that's your victory, right? But I remember when I first started doing different kinds of races, you get a participation medal for everything when you do these races. But I won a couple of them, and I would they'd give me a medal, and I, would, I don't really care about that stuff because it just clutters up your room. So I would come home and give it to Bella. Every time I'd get, uh, that's not Bella, I just looked over there. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie, one day you'll get a medal too. But I, I would come home, and I would give her all of these, you know, ribbons, medals, whatever they were, and she loved it. She's got this whole collection of it. And I thought, as a little kid, maybe she just likes the medal. But she gets this sense that dad is sharing the victory with me or the accomplishment. It's not just about the thing. It's what the thing represents. And when I gave it to her, the first she was like, wow, you would share your victory with me? And I thought, yeah. I had a chance to, I still do, with this organization called Ainsley's Angels where a lot of these races will push kids that are, uh, disabled and dealing with various um, physical challenges and and a lot of autistic kids. And I remember the person that got me involved with this, this is what she told me. She goes, it'll be the best finish line you've ever had. I was like, huh. And so I'm, this girl Mary, who I push in all these races, pushed her across the line and went, the joy on her face. I wasn't sharing with her my victory. She was sharing with me her victory because she had never done a triathlon before. And I just went, we're both enjoying this so much. You can share in the victory that Revelation 2 is talking about by sharing your testimony. The victory that Jesus won for you that you're enjoying, when you share your God story, you're not just telling a story, you're sharing in the victory with them. Let me give you another scripture. Is that okay? I probably should have given you all these scriptures before we turn to them. Psalm 71. I'm going to read this one to you because it's in the Passion Translation, and you may not have that with you, but just write down the reference if you're taking notes. Um, Psalm 71, chapters, sorry, chapter 71, verse 15 and 16. This is what David says. I couldn't begin to count the times you've been there for me. With the skill of a poet, I'll never run out of things to say about how faithfully you kept me from danger. I will come forth in your mighty strength, O Lord my God. I'll tell everyone that you alone are the perfect one. There's three elements here that David talks about. The first one is, you have been there. That's a part of your story, your God story. You have been there. I couldn't begin to count the times you've been there for me. In other words, it's too many. So part of your testimony is saying, You've been there. And it's a recognition. Admission. It's an acknowledgement that at my worst, at my best, in my mediocre, boring times, there you are. David said, though I make my bed in the depths of hell, there you are with me. It's an acknowledgement that, God, you've been with me through this. The lowest emotional moment of my entire life for me personally, as my story, was also the moment I felt the presence of God more than I have in any time in my life. And I understood that scripture. Though I make my bed in the depths of hell, there you are with me. 
You've been there. The second one, he says, I will, I will come forth in your mighty strength. Do you hear that? You've been there and I will. Your testimony is if you did it before, you're going to do it again. You've been there at my lowest. You'll be with me in my lowest. You've been there in my highest. You will be there in my highest. You've been there in the mediocre, boring, just going through it, changing diapers, trying to hold down a nine to five, trying to figure out if I'm supposed to wear a mask to go into Target or not. You're going to be with me there in the future. You did it before. You're going to do it again. That's what a testimony is. And then he says, I'll tell everyone that you alone are the perfect one. So what is it? You've been there. I will come forth and I will tell everyone. I will tell everyone. The world will know of your goodness. I can't keep my mouth shut. I can't do it. You can try to muzzle me. You can try to silence me. You can cancel me. You can block me on Facebook. But I will tell of your goodness. I will tell everyone. You've been there. I'll tell everyone. He's going to do it again. But I'm going to tell. At some point, there's got to be a tell moment. Sharing the gospel is not just letting them see you lead a good life. It is. At some point, you got to tell. I will tell. I'm not just going to sit back and wait for people to come to me and ask. I'll tell everyone of your goodness that you alone are the perfect one. You know what that is? David's saying, I'll tell everyone that you are the perfect one. In other words, hey, I ain't perfect. He's the perfect one. And he's healed me. One of my favorite movies is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Anybody love that movie? Love it, love it, love it. And I remember I was always fascinated as a kid. One, the adventuresome part of it, and that Han Solo could play a different role. That was like, whoa. (laughs) But I was always fascinated with this idea of the Ark. Because I remember reading about it as a child in the Old Testament, this thing of immense power. And then I realized I better know more about what the Bible says about the ark than what Steven Spielberg said about the ark. You know, because in my mind, there's like ghosts that come out and fly out and melt people's faces when they look into it. I'm like, no, that's not it. That's not it. But the ark of the covenant also had another name. It was called the ark of the testimony. Because that word covenant also means testimony. And New King James still refers to it as the testimony. And the ark symbolized the presence of God. It's the thing that he inhabited. It got put into the Holy of Holies in the temple when it was built. But before that, it was in the tabernacle, and they would carry it with them wherever they went. It was kind of the center of God's power and his presence, among, and it was meant to be in the middle of the people. It wasn't some faraway thing. God was on Mount Sinai, but now he's with them. I will be with you, and you will be my people. That was the promise of God. And this was symbolized in this ark. But the ark had three different things that were eventually placed in it. Hebrews talks about this later. So you kind of go back and forth between Exodus and Hebrews. The first thing is it was the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments that you read about in Exodus chapter 20. That God had taken his people out of Egypt and they were following a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They were day by day just doing what God said. Did God show up? There's a pillar of fire. Yes. Did we do what he said? 
We didn't today, but we will tomorrow. Then it was, did God show up? Did we do what he said? Kind of the same thing we're living on now. But it, at a certain moment in time, God said, I'm going to give you my word. And so he wrote on tablets of stone the Ten Commandments, what we know now as the Ten Commandments. Um, that got broken, had to write some more. God's mercy and grace for us and patience is endless. It's amazing. But God said, I want you to take these tablets of stone and put them into the Ark of the Testimony. The second thing that was in there, second, second thing that was in there, we read about in Exodus chapter 16, was some of the manna. Now, what was manna? You see, when they came out of Egypt and were spending 40 years wandering in the desert before they walked into the land of flowing with milk and honey, deserts don't have a whole lot of food. When you got six million people traipsing around the desert, food's an important issue. It's an important thing. I found out that food is important on a four-mile hike in Wintergreen that I said was probably going to be two miles and ended up being six miles. Sorry, it wasn't four miles. It was six miles, which we did last week. And food's important. So six million people going through a desert is kind of important for 40 years. But there's none there. So God provided for them by giving them this stuff called manna. When they came out into the morning, as soon as the dew lifted, there were little flakes on the ground that when they gathered them became food. They could make bread from it. The word manna means what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. God provided food in the desert for them when there was no food. What did they have to do to earn it? Nothing. What did they have to do to work for it? Nothing. It was just there. The third thing they had was Aaron, Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron was the priest. And I want to talk to you about these three things. But particularly, why did they get put in this thing called the Ark of the Testimony? If the word testimony is our story, there's a reason that God wanted these three things placed into the place of their story. That box contained their God story as a nation. And he wanted to make sure that you take these things with you everywhere that you go. He put in, though, these tablets of stone, these Ten Commandments. And I believe it's a way of God saying that he said later, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you're in the middle of a desert in a day before compasses, in a day before GPS, you need to know where you're going. They were lost for 40 years without direction, not just geographically lost, but spiritually lost. They needed to know, what do we need to do to keep you from killing us? That's the basic level. What do we need to do? And it became a guide for them. It became a map for them, their GPS to keep them spiritually on track so that they could stay in the presence of God. This manna that was put in there, a desert has no food. That manna is a constant reminder that God provides for you out of absolutely nothing. I don't know why we think we've got to give to God, that we have to keep like giving constantly to Him in order for Him to provide for us. Giving and generosity is a natural part of being a believer and having the mind of Christ and having the Spirit of Christ in you. But God does not require that to provide for us. God provides for us out of nothing. The day you breathe breath into your lungs, the day Alexander and Joshua breathed for the first time, what investment had they made in order to draw that breath? Zero. 
God will provide for you out of absolutely nothing. In other words, it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your upbringing was. It doesn't matter whether you had good parents, bad parents, no parents. It doesn't matter whether you were born in the north or the south. It doesn't matter if you like basketball or not, but it doesn't matter if you like football. It doesn't matter. God will provide everything you need out of his goodness and his mercy, not out of your skill set, out of your background, out of your natural gifts. God's not impressed with our gifts because he gave them to us anyway. God's impressed with our obedience. God will provide for you out of absolutely nothing. We need a testimony of God's provision for us when we had nothing to give. He is the God who creates something out of nothing. The third thing is this interesting thing, Aaron's rod. You know the Bible says that your rod and your staff, they comfort me? The rod and the staff, I don't want to get distracted. It's actually the same thing. It's two ends of the same stick. It's not a rod and a staff. A rod and a staff are the same thing. It's a staff on one end and a rod on the other, typically. So this rod in Exodus chapter 7, when God told Moses to go before Pharaoh, he says, I want you to take Aaron's rod and tell him to throw it down on the ground and it's going to become a snake. Now you can imagine this party trick. That'd be pretty awesome. And so Moses and Aaron are like, you mean, I've never seen that before. Throw his rod down. It's going to become a snake. Awesome. So they go before Pharaoh and they said, as a sign that our God is God, Watch this. And you gotta <laughs> you gotta love those moments when you're like, watch this. Man, I hope this works out. You ever had those moments? You ever prayed for somebody and you're like, I'm gonna pray for your hip. Man, I really hope this works out, right? But they just said, throw it down. And they throw Aaron's rod down and it becomes a snake. And then you have to act like you've been there before. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, of course it became a snake. That's what we said would happen. But then Pharaoh calls his musicians and his diviners and they come back with their rods and it does the same thing. Through the demonic influence over Pharaoh, these magicians, all of their rods became snakes too. Do you ever notice that sometimes when the enemy does a bit of a flex, if you look at it in the natural, it seems like you're outnumbered. Well, I made a snake, but now we've got lots of snakes. And sometimes the enemy flexes so hard that we look at it with our natural eyes and go, oh, no. (laughs) But we're not called to look with natural eyes. Sometimes that same demonic spirit says, turn up that furnace ten times hotter. And it's so hot that even the soldiers that threw people in burned to death. That's a pretty scary moment in the natural. Until you realize the hotter you turn it up, the more of the stuff that doesn't belong on me is going to get burnt up. But not me. Because I was born for the fire. So these serpents are now slithering around Aaron's serpent. And guess what happens? Aaron's serpent eats every single one of it. That's a hungry snake. It ate all of the other snakes. 
What in the world? Now, God didn't tell Moses and Aaron that was going to happen. I love that he just goes, throw your rod down, it's going to become a snake. And you take the risk, and you obey what he said. Boom, it becomes a snake. And you're like, wow. And then seven other people do the same thing, and you're like, maybe not so wow. And God's like, just wait. Just wait. And he doesn't always tell us the next steps. He doesn't always say what the house church will become. He just said, I've called you to start a church in your home. Just go do that. And then you start a church in your home, and Virginia goes to phase negative three. And you're like, oh, no. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait and see what God does. Make sure you're obeying God and not just the thing that you want to do. That's hard for me because i got a lot of wants, and I'm easy to just run ahead of God. Come on, God, let's go. And he's like, eh. But when you obey what he put in your heart and the enemy puts his flex on, just wait. And that snake ate all the others. That's a little bit more impressive. And then later, there's this rebellion that happens against Moses because the Levites rose up and said, we can hear from God too. Who does Moses think he is? Why is he the leader of all of this? And God said, I want you to take all of the staffs of the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel, bring them together, put the, the person's name on it, whose staff it is, and I want you to see what happens. And so they put all these things together and put them in the tent of meeting, and they came back the next day. And Aaron's rod had budded, blossomed, and had ripe almonds on it just over the course of the one night. A stick, not a, a plant, a stick had come to life and borne fruit. And God said, I want you to put that rod into the ark. When the Israelites look at that rod, it's a constant reminder that no matter how big the flex of the enemy is, God is always stronger and always more powerful. And if you just obey me when it doesn't make sense, when what I told you to do seems disproportionate to the battle that you're going to face, sometimes God will tell you to do something that seems disproportionate to the battle that you're about to go into. You're facing Jericho. Its walls are three feet thick. You haven't really fought a battle before, but I want you to walk around the wall seven times singing. And then at the end of the singing, just yell really loud. Sometimes the thing God's called you to do seems disproportionate to the battle that you're going to face. But just trust Him. Trust Him and obey Him. Those who are for us outnumber those who are against us. And part of learning to hear from God and to walk in the Spirit is seeing in the Spirit what your natural eyes can't see. The Lord will perform miraculous signs among you. His power will defeat any power of the enemy, and numbers don't matter. Aaron's rod budded when nobody else's did. When nothing else was producing fruit, 
Aaron's rod did. Rebellion doesn't produce fruit. Rebellion against God. This wasn't just a rebellion against Moses. This is an Old Testament context. This is not against the pastor, the leader, the bishop. It was rebellion against God. That's how you have to see Moses in this context, right? So when you rebel against God, you will not bear fruit. But when you obey him, you will see life come from what you thought was dead. God will revive dead things when you obey him. God chose Aaron, and Aaron said yes. God rewards obedience with abundance. He rewards obedience with abundance. I won't say who this is because they may not want me to say this, but I'm going to say it and keep it anonymous. I had somebody recently that said, do you remember four months ago when you prophesied that this was a season of abundance? And I said, yeah, I did. And I'm a little nervous because it's, it's a typical thing that you hear over business people. This is a year of abundance. And I don't want to just sound like it was flippant, but I really did hear that word. And this person said, I've had the best month I've ever had in my business four months in a row. I've been able to say that for four consecutive months. And I went, oh, that's right. And that's because of this person's obedience. Because as they've obeyed God, there's been obedience that's been provided for them. Some of you may not be living in the, ob- in the abundance yet, but if you stay in the obedience, you'll see the abundance. Don't count it short. He makes dead things come to life again and bear fruit. His rod budded, budded. You know in the springtime when the buds come out? That's hope. It's hope. It blossomed. That's beauty. He wants to bring hope. He wants to bring beauty. And it produced almonds. In other words, what he brings from you will feed others. Your story will feed others. Our testimony does more than tell her the story. It declares, you have been there. I will come forth and I will tell everyone. We'll finish with this. How about a little Hebrew? There's a word called eduth, E-D-U-T-H. It's this word testimony in the Hebrew. And the root of this word eduth means to reduplicate. Not just duplicate. Eduth means to reduplicate. It means God, because of what you've done in the past, you will do it again and again and again and again. You don't just duplicate what you did. You re-duplicate it. Do it again. What happened to Egypt will happen to Jericho. What he did at the Red Sea, he will do with the Jordan River. The same miracle. He parted the Red Sea. Then they cross over. They end up at the Jordan River. and Here we are again. We're at a place we can't pass. It's water. Didn't somebody say something about water 40 years ago? Yeah, he parted the Red Sea. This is just a river. He'll do it again. He did the exact same thing again. It's David when he's facing this giant Goliath, a nine-foot giant, and he's just a kid, a shepherd boy. He says, what I did to the lion and the bear, I will do to you, Goliath. And I will take what is familiar to me. 
I will take what is my greatest burden and I'll put it into my testimony, my sling, and I'm going to sink it into the head of my enemy because what I did to the lion and the bear when God was with me there, I will do now and I'm going to tell everybody what happened here today. I want to encourage you. If he did it before, he'll do it again. The word testimony means do it again. Do it again. Do it again. When you share your God story, you're not just saying the past. You're saying he did it then. He'll do it for you. He'll do it again and again and again and again. As much as you need it, it's going to keep on coming. There will come a day when your testimony will come at a great cost. It's already starting to happen now. Because I shared with you aduth, which is the Hebrew word for testimony. The Greek word for testimony in the New Testament, do you know what it is? It's martyr. I'm not trying to scare people. But the word martyr means testimony. It means witness. There will become a cost to your testimony. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and give its light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's why I want to call it Friday Night Lights because you are the light of the world. You, not just Jesus, you are the light of the world. I want to encourage you to share your God story. Get good at it. The writer in Psalms said, like a poet, I'm going to share this. I'm not a poet. In fact, I used to take poetry and I was scared to death I'd have to write something. But you're a poet. And as you get good at this, as you get good, not just in the natural, but being able to share the parts of your story that connect with someone else, you are sharing your victory with them. They will participate in the same victory and they will find the Jesus who set you free and be free themselves. Those who were captives, who were prisoners in Isaiah 61, they will return and renew cities. They will return to the places long devastated. And your story, your God story, might just be the thing that brings them there. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.